All right, we're going to continue on. Um, thank you for all your prayers. I'm better. My tongue stopped bleeding after forever. So if you missed all that, that's the, I'm going to tell that story some other time. But um, it was really cool. When you think that um, um, God can't walk you through any circumstance, come talk to me. I got a good story to tell. So um, God is with us every moment. Amen. So, um, so we've been talking about uh, the road to abundant life, and we're going to be talking about this until God quits giving me more revelation and more ideas about this until at least Easter. So <laughs> just hold on. So um, uh, the road to abundant life. Today I'm going to talk about the title of this message this morning is keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on the road. If you're a Doors fan, keep your eyes on the road and your hands upon the wheel. Thank you very much, sir. All right. So keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on the road. Say, I am going to keep my eyes on the road. On the road. Okay. So in America, here's some crazy, terrible statistics. The distracted drivers account for over 3,000 deaths in America, 3,000 deaths. And it's actually accounted for about 325 injury accidents. It's distracted driving. We are a distracted people. Amen? We are a distracted people. So um, I thought we'd just do this really quick. So what are some things, if we're going to help, we're going to have a little driving course this morning. Uh, what are some things that you, not you, that you've seen, of course, can, none of you do any kind of distracted driving or anything. Now, you have never watched anything on YouTube while you've been driving down. Or none of you have ever, ever done that. Well, what are, what are some things that are d- distract drivers? Real, real quick. Yeah, Rachel. The newest John Chris video. The, the newest John Chris video. I didn't need to hear that from my daughter. Yeah. What Texting. Yeah, your phones, right? Just your phones in general. What else? Eating. How many of you have seen people eating? Like, I don't know how they're eating. What they're, yeah. Yeah, you all, I, you all, how many, will you all do it? Come on. Yeah, yeah. The makeup ones. Yes, yes. Pick on the women there, Stuart. That's awesome. That's awesome. The makeup. Yeah, in the back. What's that? Deer. 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 Yeah, deer. Your deer, yeah talking to the passengers in the car. Yeah, that's the thing. That's sports, right? Air guitar. Yeah. Yeah, so we are distracted, distracted people. And we can get distracted as you go on. Here we go. As you go on this journey towards eternal life, you can have distracted driving. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So we're going to go into, um, we're going to stay in the Old Testament this morning. We're going to go to Nehemiah. But um, a little backstory to Nehemiah, this story, this, so if you know your church history, your Old Testament history, if you do not, they have an amazing class on Sunday mornings that, that was amazing this morning um, for the time I was able to be in, be in there. So at this point, point in, in uh, history, you have the, the kingdoms have been divided. Right, you have the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. They're divided, and both of them have gotten taken away into captivity. And so the Assyrians and the Babylonians have taken the two northern kingdom and southern kingdom away into captivity. Then the Persians come along. Right, say the Persians. The Persians come along and just decide to take everything. And so they take everything, and then 
Um, and so in this time, this is the setup. This is the this is where we find the story. Um, the the Persians were actually pretty nice to some a lot of the Israelites. They were they weren't like some of the predecessors and the other leaders where they would say they were basically like we don't care. You can worship whatever God you want. You can just serve. We can serve God. We're 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 cool with that. So actually, they allow um, them to go back and to um, rebuild the temple. They're allowed to go back and, and re- rebuild the temple there in um, Israel. And, um, and then so there's, so that's in the book of Ezra. So the Ezra is a great story of them rebuilding the temple. And then, um, and then we find ourselves moving through, that was Darius. And then so we find ourselves as we move forward into the book of Nehemiah, that there's a new, um, there's a new uh, king. His name is Artaxerxes. I can never pronounce his name correctly. Artaxerxes, and he, um, and he is, and he seems to be a pretty good dude. He seems to be an all right guy. He seems to. Um, he actually, they go back and they. Um, oh, let me let me stop right there. So what we find ourselves in Nehemiah is we find ourselves in the king's court with this guy, the first part of Nehemiah, we find this guy named Nehemiah in the king's court as a cupbearer to the king. And this is where we find ourselves. And in that day, uh, let me give you a little bit more, is that these walls of the city of Jerusalem have been are, are broken down. And if you know anything about um, that time and, and, uh, and what it was, if you didn't have a fortified city, you weren't really a city. So when you had a fortified city, you were something. And so Nehemiah, we're going to see here, Nehemiah looks and he has a guy come and we're going to read that part of the story here in first, uh, first Nehemiah. <laughs> the first and only Nehemiah, chapter one. We're starting in verse two. Hanani, the one of the brothers, arrived with men from Judah. I questioned them about Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah talking. And, Jeru- and Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. So here we're talking about the exile, the people that now have come back. And he said to me, the remnant in the, provident, in the province who survived the exiles are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, listen, I sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the, before the God of heaven. Notice in this passage, his passion. Notice in this, this verse, his, this is, this is, has, has affected him in a really, a real profound way. Like these, these are my people and the walls are broken down. Okay. So in chapter two, verse one, moving ahead, during the month of Nisan, the, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when, when the wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. I was overwhelmed with fear and, the, and replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. If it pleases the king, I love his boldness. And if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. And the king with his queens uh, seated beside him 
asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? So I gave him a definite time and it pleased the king to send me. That's called favor, people. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they will grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And and let me have a letter written to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates. He's planning. He's getting his stuff ready. And of the temples, fortress, and the city walls, and and the home where I I will live. And, And the king granted my request for the gracious hand of my God was on me. I went to the governor, I went to the governors of the regions west of the Euphrates, and he gave and gave them the king's letter. And the king had had also sent officers of the infantry and cavalry with me. Come on. And when Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials heard that someone had come to pursue the prosperity of the Israelites, they were greatly displeased. Okay, the plot has thickened. So the good news is that God's going to help. And the good news is that the king is going to send resources. He's going to help them. The bad news is not everybody is excited about this news. So when we talk about, when we talk about our own lives, we all, we all talk about the things that are in our lives that are hindering us to going to the abundant life that God's called us to live. The place, the destination called abundant life in whatever area that may be. You may be thinking about abundant life in your family. You may be thinking about uh, uh, issues and problems on your jobs that are, that are hindering you. You may be thinking about life controlling issues that you're having. Things that are just, they, they control your life. There are principles that we need to learn and we can gain from this scripture on how to enter the, continue down the road to abundant life, even though there's distractions along the way. Even though there's things along the way that want to make you veer off or take you into a different place than you want to go. You may have started out and you, maybe you had a great uh, worship service and you came to a great church service and all of a sudden God started dealing with you about some things in your life and that maybe some areas that aren't abundant life in your life that are going on in your life and that you're dealing with and you're facing. And you, you came down, maybe you even came down to an altar. You got radical and you said, no more. Nope, nope. Nope. And then Monday morning, everything was different. And Monday, and then Monday turned into that week. And then that, that turned into another week. And then the pastor didn't talk about it for another couple of weeks. And so you kind of forgot about it, but it still kind of lingers there in your life. Why are these things? Why, why do we seem to run into the same circumstance over and over and over? Why do we seem to have and face the same problems over and over and over again? Well, we're going to talk about that. I will say this, that the first step, like AA actually always says, the first step is knowing what that enemy is. 
knowing what that thing is that's in front of you, the thing that's keeping you from living the abundant life that God has called you to live. There's a process in the building up of walls. There's a process in God fortifying new walls in your own life. Let's, and then everything is great until you hit a snag. And then you fail, fall back into the same stuff. So having that in thought, let's move on to chapter four. Let's talk about this Sam Ballot and Tobiah characters a little bit more. Because Nehemiah is about to hit a snag. And when Sam Ballot, uh, chapter four and verse one, when Sam Ballot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and mocked the Jews. For his colleagues and his powerful men of Samaria and, and, they, and said, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Well, have you ever heard that from the enemy in your own life? What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Boy, those sound so familiar, don't they? Will I ever overcome? Can they bring these burnt stones to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Amorite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbs up, what they, what they are building, it would break down their, their stone wall. And listen to the response of their threats. Verse 15, skipping down to verse 15. When the enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God was, had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, listen, half the man did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building. Come on. And the one who sounded a trumpet beside and the uh, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out. And we shall be separated far from one another, another along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work while half the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. And so we have this, so we see this story, this idea of Nehemiah having a vision, hearing a vision and getting this vision from God. This is not right. The walls are in, are in disarray. They're all been, they, all, of, all, they all came a tumbling down, and they were burnt, right? And so the, the first thing that he had to do was have a vision, and have, have a vision, and keep that vision. To have a thing that you are focused on. Habakkuk says it like this. The Lord answered me. He says, write this vision clearly and scribe it, it on tablets. So one may easily read it and run with it. The vision. Listen, guys, you have to have a vision. You have to have this. What is that thing that is keeping you from the abundant life that God has called you into? Without a vision, 
Another scripture says, without a vision, the people, I love this translation. It's really, it's actually accurate. It, they cast off restraint. It says, without a vision, the people perish. But the idea of that scripture is without a vision, you just do whatever you want to do. A vision constrains you into this one thing that I am focused on, and it's this. I am keeping my hands on the wheel. I am keeping my eyes on the road. You know what? When I think about this scripture, I think about this idea for us that you have, just like Nehemiah, you have everything you need. You have been given everything you need. When when Nehemiah was given that vision, the vision wasn't wasn't good enough, but God provided everything Nehemiah needed to accomplish the vision. This is not, remember, this is not your vision. It's God. This is not like your own wish. You have connected with God in, in this road. To, it's not like God is withholding abundant life for you. God wants to give it freely to you, and he's given you every tool you need. He's given you, and I, I don't have him a list, but he's given you his name. He's given you redemption. He's given you righteousness. He's given you a body of Christ to fight alongside with you. That when you make that call, they rally the troops and say, hey, God's going to fight for us. He's given you, he's given you his name. He's given you the word of God. He's given you great and precious promises for us. He's given you everything you need, but you must understand in this life, abundant life will always be opposed. Opposed. We're we're not in heaven yet. There will be a day when there'll be no more opposition. But until that day, your abundant life is going to be opposed. And you have to fight for it. Fight. That's why the scripture uses words like fight the good good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. The enemy's not just going to lay down. And the number one tool, weapon that you're going to have is this word that we don't like at all. It's this word, discipline. Everybody breathe. You're a disciple of Jesus, right? Yeah, disciple means has that word discipline with the idea of it. I am under the discipline. I live in the disciplines of the person I'm following. I'm a disciple of Jesus. So I fall into the disciplines of the one I'm following. Amen? I, I, am, I, I discipline myself. Discipline. Discipline is my favorite definition of discipline. Discipline is simply this. It's simply this. Remembering what you want. Discipline is remembering what you want. Because if I remember what I want, it's going to constrain me without a vision that people cast off restraint. The vision will cause me to discipline myself to focus on that one thing. Discipline is remembering what you want. 
I want a better marriage. It's not going to come just because you wish and hope. It's going to come because you focus on it. You make that one thing the thing that you focus on. Finances, focus on it. Discipline yourself. Constrain yourself to that one thing. Jesus said, when you see that mountain that needs to move, don't focus on the whole mountain range. Focus on the one mountain and speak to that one mountain. Is it relationships? Health. What are you focusing on? Discipline is a constraining thing that constrains us to focus. Nehemiah was focused. I don't care what comes at me. I don't care. I don't care if Sam Ballot and Tobiah fight me day and night. I'm going to set up situations and things around me to fight off these, these people that are trying to oppress me. These things that are trying to distract me. These things that are trying to push me down and make me less than what God's wanted me to be. He says, because I got one goal. Oh, we'll, we'll take care of Jerusalem and all the politics and all the other stuff, and we'll take care of all that later. The one thing we need to do is build those walls. And nothing else matters until I build those walls. Because that's all that matters. And it caused him to be laser-focused on the job, no matter what came against him. They, enemies come against him? Well, somebody will have a trowel and a weapon. I posted this this week, and it said this, actually last week. I wrote this two weeks ago. There are two kinds of pains in the world. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And you choose. That you pick, you choose the pain of discipline or you choose the pain of regret. We're called, I don't know if you know this, we are called to be disciplined people as followers of Jesus. You can't separate the two. You can't separate the two. The scripture says, having done everything to stand, stand. Do everything you know to do to stand and stand. You get those things from God. God gives you, like Julie was saying, he gives you the strategies. He'll give you the vision. And then we get to walk those things out. You're... I added this this morning, and I don't know, it doesn't really fit, but I'm going to add it. Okay, can I, can I be, I was going to say, can I be honest? Like the rest of my message wasn't honest. Can, can I just be real? Can I be real for a second? And you can judge me, whatever you want to do with this. Many times, people come into my office, or I'll talk with them, and they'll talk about, their, their struggle with whatever, whatever it is. 
And many times, I can say, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And, and it's because I don't see the anger in them. I, I don't see this zeal inside of them. I don't see the, Pastor David, I, I hate this in my life. It's this woe is me. Poor me. Look at what, look what I have to battle. That is not how you win this fight. Scripture says, for you men, it says, quit yourself like a man. Stand up like a man and fight the battle that God's called you to fight. Get in that, get in that fray. Man, it's tough. And let me just say, I hear you. It is tough when everything is beaten down on you. Everything, you feel like the whole world. And then you feel like, sometimes you feel like, I didn't even do anything to cause this attack on my life. All of a sudden, I don't know if you're like this, all of a sudden you feel these attacks of less than. Poor me. Why is this happening? I just don't feel like I should. I don't feel like I'm. And so many times, guys, listen, in this over-compassionate world that we live in, you have to get up and fight. You cannot just lay there and allow the enemy to run over your life at will. You cannot. You have to have, there's got to be some anger on the inside of you, some some, some some Holy Ghost fervor on the inside of you. Not to me, you don't devil. Lose my family. Lose me. Whatever you have to do, I'm going I'm to be laser focused. The way things are going right now is not okay. And it doesn't scream abundant life in me. I am on this journey and nothing will stop me from receiving what God wants to give me. It's a relentless pursuit. It's godly anger. It's your passion. So what, do you, what does this look like? My favorite question. Because if I don't know what it looks like, then it's just ethereal. Let's say you're, you've been wanting to have your quiet time and you've never been able to have consistent quiet time. So this is the way it looks. Okay. That was a great message on quiet time. I really need to have one. That pit stop thing, that was so good. Have a pit stop. That's what I need. I need a pit stop in my life. I need, I need to stop and... Allow God to minister to me and, and go out and have a pit stop. Just me and his word. And meditate and think about him and think about his in the middle of my day. Because there's things I need to get and there's mm, things I need to leave behind. I, I need, yep, yep, yep. I believe it just that way. Tuesday. Oh yeah, Julie talked about that pit stop thing. 
Sunday morning, oh yeah, pastor just mentioned that Julia talked about that pit stop thing on the That's not the way we win battles, people. That's not the way we win battles. You win battles on Monday morning. You win battles when you decide, this is not okay in my life. So what do you do? (sighs) I'm going to buy a book on quiet times. This is a really good one. It's called Simple Devotion. The Answering the Radical Call. This is an amazing book on quiet times. Here's another book. It's called Reset. This is one, actually, this is really, really good. I really like, really enjoy this one. 20 ways, I like that one too. This one's smaller. That's why I like it. 20 ways to a consistent prayer life. It'll walk you through 20 days to help you have a consistent prayer life. You know what's amazing? I bought these books. And you can come get one after the service. Because you know what you do? Where you want to go is where you sow. You sow to where you want to go. And if you're not sowing to where you want to go, you'll never reap that harvest. You'll never reap the harvest. You'll never get to where you're going unless you say that is the goal. And you wake up on Monday and you do your devotion. You wake up on Tuesday and you forget. And then Wednesday, you go, no, 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 nope, nope. Tuesday didn't count because I'm forgiven. But today matters. And then, then to, to Wednesday, you go, you go, I'm doing it today. And, it was, and it's dry. You don't really feel the Holy Ghost all over you. And then so on Thursday, you skip again. And then on Friday, you go, no, 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 no. This is a part of who I am. I am, and confess it out of your mouth. I am a person that has regular devotions in the morning every day. Or not even in the morning. Every day I do devotions. Every day I spend time with God. Every day I have a pit stop. At least one. And then Friday you go, I did it. And then you're like, three out of five. That's not bad. better than the week before. But I am. And then the following week, I know pastor preached on this, but I'm still working on this prayer life thing. I got to get together. This is my one thing I am after. You get a book, quiet, you get a book on it. You go to bed early. So you can get up early. Adjust your life. Like everything matters. That's all that matters. If that's all that matters, that's all that matters. Pray for strength. I have so many. What about your friendships? There's books on friendships. So into the what you want, where you want to go. Get counseling. Addictions is the same thing. Do whatever it takes. Sometimes I have people, and they'll come into my office and they'll be battling porn. And I go, I just, I just can't be on you. And so I spend like an hour trying to encourage them that yes, you can. And to stir up some passion on the inside, but rather than just be defeated. It is not okay. It is not okay that you have life-controlling issues other than Jesus controlling you. It's not okay. I'll do whatever it takes. 
Listen, when I battled my own, and I'll just go ahead and say it, when I battled my own porn demons, you got to understand, nothing else mattered. Because my marriage was at stake, my family was at stake, and God's call on my life was at stake. I went to counseling twice a week, every single week for a year. I went to counseling so much that my counselor looked at me and goes, David, I don't have anything else to say with you. But listen, it's like when you dig that thing, like you dig it up. When, it, when it's alive, you kill that thing. You stab it. You bury it. And just to make sure, dig it back up. Stab it again. And kill it until it's dead, dead. Church, we got to get a fight on the inside of us. You are not, you are not wimps in this church. God has given you strength to overcome every issue. I'm going to preach the rest of my message next week. Because listen, I want to so stir you up. I want to so stir you up. Like, we, this thing about abundant life doesn't just happen because you heard a good message. It doesn't happen just because you want it. You want it. And because you put, remember, this, so this is all coming together. Remember I said God leads out the sheep in the first message? Remember that? God leads out the sheep. He goes with it, and the sheep hears his voice, and they follow him. I remember we had a counselor come up. She was amazing. And she talked about the different ways to, the different issues and things that we're dealing with. See, there, these are all these tools that are coming together to help you do what you need to do to overcome. I don't care if it's counseling. I don't care if it's prayer and fasting. I don't care. I don't really care. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, that's what you do. And you do it until he tells you to stop. I had to tell my count, my counselor had to tell me to stop. Because I'm, I'm telling you, my, my wife knows, I was radical. Like, this is not okay. This is, this is not a part of who I am. Actually, I said, I don't even care about ministry anymore. That's not even important to me anymore. The thing that I'm most concerned about is my wife and my family. I am going to be a better man than that. And, it, and let me tell you, I did everything I knew to do. Whatever my pastor asked me, my pastor was pretty radical. Some of y'all know him. My pastor was pretty radical. He, you know what he did one, one Sunday? I know I'm past my time, but let's listen. This, this is where we, this, I appreciate this so much. So it was, Julie and I have been, had been, um, we, were, we were living apart from each other. And I was, I was a pretty broken guy. I'll be honest. I was really broken at that place. And um, so we had two services. Julie would go to one service. I'd go to the other service. It was, a, it was a mess. One day I'll tell the whole story. But I remember <laughs> I was kind of, um, you know, just, you're, you're, you're beaten, right? You're completely beaten, beaten down. And I remember, Rex, you'll, you'll appreciate this because this is totally him. Oh, yeah, you guys. But he would, he would, um, he called me in his office Sunday after. He said, 
He said, have, have, have David, he still called me, I think he still called me pastor. Have Pastor David come in and talk to me. So he called me in his office. That was a Sunday morning. Oh, it was between services. I remember. Between services. He called me in his office. He says, what are you doing? I go, repenting? I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm broken. C- crying? Trying not to walk around in tears everywhere I go? He goes, has God forgiven you? Yes. Yes, sir. Has he put you back in right standing with him? Yes. Yes, he has. Then hold your head up. Don't mope around this church like you're a whoop pup. He goes, do you believe that you're an overcomer? Do you believe that the power of Jesus is living in you and, and pulling you up and lifting you up? Yes, sir, I do. Then walk around like it. Yes, sir. (laughs) Thank God for a pastor who'll do that. Thank God for a pastor who'll remind you of who you are. Listen, church, you are not the beaten down, broken, blah, blah, blah. Those were the people that were in the cave with David, who David turned into his mighty men, who did incredible feats for God. Church, that's who we are. That's your, you are not destined to live broken, defeated, and all that other stuff that the world wants your identity to be in. You are called to be victorious, overcome everything. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good and healed all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let's all stand together. Come on, church, bow your heads with me. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It testifies about the end and it will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it. Since it will certainly come and not be late. Write the vision, make it plain, so that the people can read it and run with it. You who are battling all kind of life, that is not okay. It's time to turn and face the enemy square in the eyes. Not anymore. Not anymore. Nothing else matters but this. He, he may deal, I'll just say this, he may deal with your cussing some other time, but that's not the time. He's dealing with you in this. Right. Come on, church. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, God forgive us. Forgive us, God, for walking in this world hmm, haphazardly. God, forgive us for walking in this world visionless. Forgive us, God, for living in this life distracted. 
God, will you help us to set our eyes like a flint towards what you've called us to do? Men, God has called you, men in this church, to be men of integrity, men of strength, men of honor, men of influence. You older men, and you know who you are, you're called to be influencers of a younger generation. We pride ourselves at this church. We call ourselves a church, a multi-generational church. And you older men, you're called. You women in this church. God has called you to be mighty women of valor. Fighters. You are the ones, many times, you are the ones who pray for the family. You are the ones who fight the battles. You fight through all this stuff in the internal world, in your internal world, and yet you still have the valor and, and fight to fight for others. And for yourself. I just saw this. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to see. Mm. How do you build a wall? Brick by brick. Brick by brick. The whole wall isn't built because you put that one brick down. Brick by brick. Jesus' name. I want you to see, if you're battling life-controlling issues, I want you to see that first brick being set in place. This morning, that brick. All the rest of the bricks that are going around are going to go around this brick. You're going to put the other one next to it, the other one next to it, the other one on top of it. This week, in Jesus' name. God, we love you this morning. We thank you. God, I'm reminded of that word. He said that he'll call all the people around him. And then he switches it and says, and the Lord will fight with for you. For you. For you. Because they had their hands to do the work. And God fought for them. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that as we do this, mm, man, come on. And, and yes, someone in this room, I just heard you in my, in, the, in my spirit, and you said, I've tried this before. I, I, my story is the same. It's tomorrow. Fight it today and then tomorrow. So in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, God, that you fight with us. And God, you give us the patience. You're patient with us. 
until these things are formed in us. God, you fight with us. You're our shepherd. You're the one who's leading. We don't do this apart from you. God, you fight with us and go with us. And God, if you asked us to go to counseling, God, we'll go to counseling. And God, if you ask us to have another brother or sister come into our own lives and, and talk to them about it and ask them for help, God, we'll do that too. No matter how embarrassing, because it, it, embarrassing doesn't matter when I have a goal. Ashamed doesn't, doesn't matter because I have a goal. And God, we thank you. And Father, I pray, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you work in and through us till, God, your ways are accomplished within us. God, we thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask our prayer people to come up here this morning. If you want prayer, if God is stirred, listen, this is part of it. This is part of it. If God has stirred you, I want you to come up and receive prayer. And, um, and you can be as honest or whatever as you feel led to do. Amen? So, God, we thank you. So let's say it one more time like we mean it. Say, I can do, I can do. what God empowers me to do. In Jesus' name. I'm an overcomer in every area. In Jesus' name. I can do what God says I can do. Because the greater one lives, lives within me. The strong one, the mighty God, lives inside of me. In Jesus' name. I shall go out with joy and be led forward with peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Come up for prayer if you need it.